This is a LifeGate Church podcast. Tune in to hear from our team as we encourage you to discover the freedom and purpose that Jesus offers. If you want to find out more about who we are, visit lifegate.org.au. G'day, thanks for joining us. My name's Nathan. I'm the lead pastor of LifeGate Church. I want to start with this this morning. It is like, have you ever been in a situation where you've had an experience and someone else hasn't had the experience and you've had the opportunity to share what that experience is like and you say, well, it's like, and and you go on. Let me give you some examples. Have you ever tried to explain to someone what what Vegemite is like? I mean, salty, um, a strong, strong tasting Trying to explain it to someone who's not an Australian, um, it's a pretty difficult task, isn't it? How about um, a hammer, nail, and you put the nail in and all of a sudden you hit your thumb and it's just excruciating, agonizing pain and it throbs and it goes on. That's what it's like. How about um, being zapped by electricity? That happened to me once. I was hosing down my, my back veranda and I hosed a PowerPoint I left it for about an hour and I went, I wonder if that PowerPoint's okay. So I went and touched it. And as I did, I had this shot of electricity. My muscles in my arm contracted and I felt this pain in my chest. And thankfully, I'm, I'm still alive. Well, how about this one where you go to Macca's and you buy a large frozen Coke and you drink and you suck on that straw too fast and you get a brain freeze. I mean, have you ever tried to explain what a brain freeze is like to someone? That is just pain in your head and it stays and then eventually it eventually goes away. It's like this. Well, friends, how about, how about marriage? What is marriage like? What is marriage like? Now, we all have an opinion about what marriage is like. If we're not married, maybe we've seen people who have been married and we have an opinion and we've seen it and we come up with our own idea of what what marriage is like, maybe you are married and and you're living in it and you might have a positive experience or a a negative experience in marriage. Or maybe you've you've read a book on marriage or maybe you've seen marriages in the movies and and we all come up with these um, opinions of what we think marriage is like. But I wonder if, if, if your opinion of marriage is the same as what God says marriage should be like. Our text this morning is from Ephesians chapter 5. And in it, Paul talks to us about marriage. He talks about the relationship between the husband and the wife. And he says it is like this, the relationship Jesus has with his church. In this text from Ephesians chapter 5, Paul says marriage is like the relationship Jesus has with his church. So that's what we're going to look at today. We're going to pray and then we're going to dive in. Please pray with me. Father, we thank you that your word is clear to us and your word, the Bible, speaks to us about the different areas of our life. And today, as we look at marriage, Father, we pray that we would help to, you, would, you would help us see marriage from your perspective. Father, we've all got opinions of, of, of what it's like. But Father, we pray that we would see marriage as you see it, that we would see it as you would want us to see it. Father, speak to us from your word. Give us ears, hearts that are open and help me to speak this in a way your people can grab a hold of. For your name's sake, we pray in Jesus' name. As I just prayed, my hope today is that 
this message will uh, challenge you on your view of marriage. And, and it won't only challenge your view of marriage, but if you're married, you will do things differently. Or if you're not yet married, this will help you find a partner as we, as we look at what God says about marriage. Well, over the last few weeks, we've been in the book of Ephesians. And we said that the first three chapters of Ephesians is all about what, what our Jesus has done for us as our saviour. And he's given us a new identity. And when we hit Ephesians chapter 4, we then read that in Ephesians chapter 4 that how we are to live as a believer. That Paul writes that we are to respond to what God has done to us by living a life that, that honours him. He talks about unity. He talks about how we're to use our gifts within the church community. And then he tells us the way we should live, the things we should say yes to and the things that we should say no to. And then in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15, we have this, and this is the text we looked at last week. He writes, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. And then for the next six verses in the Greek, it's one long sentence. And, and Paul tells us what it means to live wise. And these are some of the things that he points out. He says, in your wise living, then he goes on in verse, to, to verse 16, and he says, don't be foolish, but work out what the Lord's will is. He goes on to say, don't get drunk on wine, but rather be filled with the Holy Spirit. He then talks about sing to one another, sing to the Lord and pray prayers of thanksgiving. And the last thing he says in this long sentence is verse 21. He says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. All those things are about how to live. And the last thing he says in this long sentence is submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And then he gets this thought in verse 21 of submit to one another. And then he talks about what that looks like for the, for the next chapter pretty much. And he talks about the relationships between three groups. The first are the husbands and the wives. The second are the parents and the children. And the third are the employers and the employees. And he talks about how each each one of these groups are to relate to each other. This week, we're going to do with husbands and wives. Next week, we're going to look at the next two, parents and children, employers and employees. But I want us to look at this one, husbands and wives today, and look at what, what Paul says. Now, what is really interesting, as Paul talks about the relationship between husbands and wives, he talks about it in, in, in relation to Jesus and his church, like we said in the first slide, that as Paul talks about marriage, he says it's like Jesus and the church. So what I want us to do is, is, is go to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22. And if you're sitting at home and you've got your Bibles, I encourage you to open it. Um, I'm going to put the words on the screen. And, and, and as we go through this text, I want you to ignore for, them for a moment all the bits that, that talk about husbands and wives. Ignore all that. And I want us to just focus on what it says about Jesus and his church. Because if we understand the relationship that Paul writes here about Jesus and his church, that will then help us have God's perspective on what a marriage looks like. Remember I said we all come to marriage from our own experiences and, and we form opinions on marriage by what we see, by what we experience. But it's vital that we understand marriage from God's perspective and we, and we see what he says and that forms our opinions and that, that forms our behaviour. So as we read this text, we're going to look specifically at what of the relationship between Jesus and the church. Let's look at it now. Ephesians 5, 22 and 23, here we go. He says, Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to, as you do to the Lord. 
For the husband is the head of the wife as, and this is the bit I want you to grab a hold of, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the saviour. Notice the word as. For the husband is the head of the wife as. Paul gives you the, this is what it looks like. Husbands, wives, Christ, church. Here's a a similarity. Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the saviour. Verse 24. Now as the church submits to Christ, the church submits to Christ. So also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as, here it is, Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. That is what Jesus has done for us, the church. When we use the word church, we're not talking about buildings. We're talking about God's people, the people who have chosen to commit their life to Jesus, the Christians. That is God's church. In verse 28, in the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. Who who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church. Jesus feeds and cares for the church, for we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. And the final verse, however, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Final verse, summary verse. So what we saw here, and I'm going to pull this text apart in a summary form, describing Jesus, who is Christ. Christ means anointed one. It's a title for Jesus. It says Jesus is the head of the church. He's the one who is the leader. He's the one who calls the shots. He's the one that gives a direction to the church. In verse 23, it says Jesus is the saviour. When he died on the cross, he made a way for the church, for God's people to be saved from death saved from the punishment that we deserve for our sin, saved from the wrath of God. Jesus saves us. It says that he loves her. And when we use the word her, her is used in the context of the church. The Bible describes the church as a her. Jesus is the he, we are his, we are his bride. That's another, that's another way the church is described, the bride of Christ. And, and hence we're described as a her. Jesus loves her. He gave himself for her. When Jesus died on the cross, he gave his very best for her. He made her clean. That verse in um, verse 26, where it talks about um, the the washing, refers back to some of um, at the time when when women were about to get married, they went through a a, a washing ceremonial, um, a a ceremonial moment where they were washed and cleaned, ready for, for their marriage. And Jesus has washed us clean, it says, by his word, by the, by the good news that Christ died for our sin, that he rose again, that we can be in relationship with God, that we can have our sin forgiven and be holy and blameless in his sight. That's how we've been washed by Jesus. Then it says that, 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 that Jesus presents her to himself holy and blameless because of what Christ has done for us. We are now holy and blameless in God's sight. And finally, it says that Jesus feeds and cares for his church. You know, if you're a Christian and you're watching this, one of the promises that Jesus promises to feed and to care for you. It's a beautiful promise. And then we see the church. 
And this is what it says. It says that the church submits to Jesus. Submit simply means to come under the authority of. It means to follow. It means to follow the leadership. And as the church, as the body of believers, we follow the leadership of Jesus. And then in verse 32, it talks about how Jesus and the church are one. That he is, our, he is the head of the body, that we are connected, connected to Jesus. Now, this is a, this is a, this is a beautiful picture of what, of what Christ has done for us here and the relationship we as Christians have to Jesus. And what Paul does here, he grabs this thought of what Jesus has done for us and how we respond to him as a picture of what marriage is like. You could cross out the word Jesus here and put in the word husband. And this is what these are the things that Paul writes. He says the husband is the head of the wife, just as Jesus is the head of the church. It doesn't say the husband is the saviour in this text. The saviour is a description of Jesus, but for, for, for some marriages that would be very romantic for the husband to be a saviour for the wife. But, but, but what it points to is that the man is there to lay his life down. Like it says here, he, Jesus gave himself for the church and the husband is to give himself for his wife. Where the husband is called to lay down his best, to lay down his agenda, to do what is best for his wife. It, it is a sacrificial relationship where the man says, you know what, I'm not going to please me in this relationship. I'm going to please her. I'm going to do things that honour her, that lift her up, that serve her and point her to the Lord. That's what I'm called to do. It's a beautiful picture. Just as Jesus loves her, the husband loves his wife. Just as Jesus made her clean, husbands, we are to protect our wives and lead them in a, in a path of godliness to protect them and keep them away from sin. And we're to present her to Jesus on that day, holy and blameless in his sight, as we encourage her in her walk with the Lord. And as husbands, we're called to feed and care for our wives. And in response, you could cross out the word church and put wife in. Just as the church submits to Christ, the wife submits to her husband. Now, this word submit gets lots of um, negative, negative press, but it's actually a beautiful thing. If we think of submit as, as allowing your husband to lead, coming under his leadership and choosing to follow him, friends, it's a beautiful picture. And submission doesn't mean that the wife is, is, is any less than the husband because we are, from God's perspective, we are equal. Christ died for men. Christ died for women. Just as it talks about later, um, parents and children and employers and employees. God doesn't see a parent more important than a child or God doesn't love a parent more than a child. No, he loves us equally. And yet in that, he gives us roles. So please don't see submit as a negative thing. It's actually a beautiful thing. As the husband lays down his life and chooses the, his, his wife's be, very, very best, it actually becomes easy for the wife to follow his leadership because she's choosing to come under his authority and he is choosing to love her in the way that she needs it. It is a beautiful, beautiful picture. And just as Jesus and the church are one, in a marriage relationship, the husband and the wife become one flesh, referring back to Genesis chapter 2. Friends, it is a 
It is a beautiful picture. Now, we, we are got to be careful that we don't take this analogy too far around Christ and the church and the Christ is like Je- um, Christ is like the husband and the church is like the wife because you could, you could take the analogy too far and say something like, well, well uh, Jesus was perfect. He never did anything wrong and he had to save the church and therefore the husband is perfect and the wife needs saving because she's done all these wrong things. No, <laughs> that's taking the analogy too far. We need to read this analogy just as Paul portrays it and, and Paul sets it, sets it out here and take the similarities like Paul does to relate to our marriage. But the point I want to make is that we need to see marriage in the way that God says we should see it. And marriage is a picture of Jesus as the husband who gave his very best, who gave his life by dying on that cross so that we could be in relationship with God, that he gave his best so that we could thrive. And in marriage, the husband is called to give his best so his wife can thrive. And the husband is called to love and submit and respect her husband so that he can thrive as well. It's a beautiful picture. Now, what I want us to do is to go back to this text, Ephesians 5, 22, and read it again. And, and notice what it says about husbands and wives. And you'll notice everything we just talked about, you're going to see it more clearly. Let's have a look here. Ephesians 5, same passage, but highlight husbands and wives this time. Wives, Submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the saviour. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church. I love that. Love your wives just as. Similarity, what's it like? Love her like Christ loved the church as he gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After, no, after all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. For this reason, quoting Genesis chapter 2, for this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery. But I'm talking about Christ and the church and the summary verse. Here we go, verse 33. However, each of you must also love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Husbands, love your wife like you love yourself, and wives, you're called to respect your husbands. Friends, it is a beautiful picture of a healthy marriage where each person does their role, where each person loves where each person lays down their agenda for the other and is a beautiful, beautiful picture of Christ in the church. Now, now where this goes wrong is when, is when men choose not to love their wives, when men do not lay down their agenda for the sake of their wife. 
And then the wife says, well, you're not treating me properly, so I'm not going to respect you. I'm not going to submit to you because of how you treat me. And it leads to this cycle that they, crave, that they call the crazy cycle. Here it is here. Women generally, there is this thing in them where they desire love and value. And in men, there is this, there is this thing that's in them where they desire respect. And when a woman is not loved by her husband, she says, well, why should I respect him? And then the husband says, she's not respecting me, so why should I love her? And then she says, well, he's not loving me, so I'm not going to respect him. And then he says, well, she's not respecting me, so I'm not going to love her. And around and around and around it goes. It's called the crazy cycle. And until one person, and let me speak to the men. Men, you are the head, in that, you are the head of the marriage. It's your responsibility to step up. You're the one to call a stop to the crazy cycle and say, you know what, wife, I'm sorry, I'm wrong, and choose to love her like Christ did the church by giving himself for her. That's how the crazy cycle stops as one person. And man, I'm calling you out here to be the leader in that relationship and stop the crazy cycle and choose to love your wife as Christ loves the church. And by doing that, your wife will notice it. And she will start to give you respect. And as you love her more, she'll give you more respect. And as she gives more respect, you'll give more love. And you get back to the beautiful picture of a healthy marriage like Christ and the church. So let me get really practical with you today. And I want to talk to the men about how you can love your wives. And I'll speak really practically to the women about women, how can you respect your husbands? So men, I'm going to speak to you first. And ladies, you might want to celebrate these things. Here they are. Men, I want to give you six, six things husbands can do to love their wives. Men, write this down. Get your notes out on your phone. Once I pull the slide up, take a picture of this. Do these things. These are great ways for you to love your wife, where you lay down your agenda and you love her in the way she needs it. The first thing is this, and it's simple. It is simply talk. For you to love your wife, your wife wants you to tell her what's going on in your head. She wants to know what you're thinking and what you are feeling. Did you hear that, man? Your wife wants to know what you are feeling. And when you share it with her, she feels loved by you. Please talk. Share your thoughts. Share your feelings with your wife. The second thing is to listen to her. You know, most men want to try and fix problems. And they hear their wife say, um, this is going on and we just want to go in and say, well, do this, do this, do this, and it'll be fixed. But most of the time, our wives don't want that. They just want us to listen and empathize with them and to put our arm around them and listen to how they are feeling, to how they're thinking. Listen to them. And as you listen, men, you will hear what they're passionate about. You will hear what they care about. You will hear the way to love them. And then you'll be able to love them in the way they need it. The third thing is choose her best over your own. You know, men, you are in this relationship for the benefit of your wife. Remember, it's a picture of Christ and the church and Jesus gave his life for the church and we're called to give our life for our wives. So let's choose what is best for her ever our own best. Yeah? Now, you've got to remember that we're also under God's authority. So if your wife wants to go and do something that's outside God's authority, men, 
we need to say something because we've got to protect, protect our wives there. But, it's, but if it's a godly thing, let's support them and let's encourage them to be all that they can be. Number four, encourage her in her walk with Jesus. That passage talked about how Jesus presents the church spotless before him. And man, we have a, we have a, a role in the family to be the spiritual head where we're encouraging our wife and our children in their walk with the Lord, encourage them to be close with the Lord, to live a life of obedience. Husbands, we need to help our wives, encourage them to live in that way. Number five, continue to pursue her. I talked a message a few weeks ago about three things that will damage a marriage. And one of the things I said was stopping the pursuit. Where we start, when we first meet them, before we're married, we go on these dates and we buy them cards and we buy them flowers and we buy them dinners and we think, and they think they're the most important people in the world, but then we get married and it's like the race is over, the job is done. No, it's not done. We're called to continue to pursue our wives, to continue the date, to continue to make them feel like the most important person in our lives. Let's continue the pursuit. And the final one is love her in the way that she needs it. You know, when I was first married, I used to do all these jobs for Michelle. I used to um, clean and cook and do all these things in acts of service because that is what my mom loved. She loved it when people served her. And I just thought, women are the same, I suppose. So if I treat her like my mom, like if, if I love my wife the way I would love my mom by serving her, well, then she'd be happy. But service isn't one of Michelle's things. Words, touch. Time, gifts, well, she likes all those things, actually. They're the things that, um, that, that make Michelle feel loved. Serving her by cleaning the house doesn't actually help her. We need to find out what, um, where our wives feel loved and, and love them in that way. A great tool that you can use are the five love languages. This is the book. You can check it out. And he talks about five things just briefly. Words of affirmation, physical touch, acts of service, gifts, and quality time, and quality time normally goes with quality conversation. Now, these are some ways that we can love our wives. And once we find out which one of these things they like, we can focus in loving them in that way, which is really going to help our, um, our wives feel loved. So, men, that's for you. Now, let me speak to the ladies. And I want to give you 11 things, ladies. Now, if I, if, if I gave the men 11 things, that wouldn't work. They'd forget them. Even if they remember six, that would be a miracle. But you ladies can do many things and hold many things in your brain. I know that. So I'm going to give you 11 things, 11 things wives can do to respect their husbands. Here they are, women. Hopefully this is helpful. Number one is to seek his advice. As a way of making your husband feel respected and loved by you, seek his advice. Number two. Compliment him. Number three, be open-minded. Ask his opinion. Be open to what he thinks. And by doing that, he will feel, he'll feel respected. Tell him that you admire him. He will feel respected by doing that. Support his goals. What does he want to do with his life? How can you support him in that? Seek his forgiveness. You know, if you, if you mess it up, be the first to say, I'm sorry. And that will gain his respect. That will earn his respect. They're the first six. If you want to take a picture of that, I'm about to go to the next screen. Do that now. Number seven, listen to him. And as you listen, he'll feel respected by you. 
Don't criticise him in front of others. There's a big one. Nine, don't expect him to be perfect. Oh, that's pretty obvious, hey. But as we think about when, when we have dreams of the person we're going to marry, sometimes we think he's going to be the knight in shining armour and he's going to have it all together. But the reality is he's just, he's just me mortal. He's, 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 he's busted up and broken like every other person on the planet. And so give him some grace. Allow him not to be perfect. Number 10, talk well about him to your children. That will help him feel respected. And finally, allow him to lead. Allow him to lead you and the family. And, and, and he'll feel respected. There's 11 things wives can do to help their husbands feel respected. So what I want to do now is go back and give you a summary of where we've been today. I started by asking you this question, what is marriage like? And what we saw from the scripture is that marriage is like the relationship Jesus has with his church, where the husband lays down his life for his wife. He puts her agenda above his own. He puts her best above his own. And as he does that, the wife naturally chooses to love her husband, respect her husband, follow him and submit to his leadership as the husband gives his best for her. So as you've heard this message today, let me ask you this. What's your next step? We've uh, talked about marriage from a biblical perspective. Maybe your next step is to rethink what a healthy marriage looks like. Maybe if you're single, this message is going to help you find a marriage partner. If, 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 if you're a young lady and you're looking to get married, you want to find a man who loves the Lord and wants to live in the way that Jesus wants him to live, who's going to put your agenda above his own. And if you're a husband and looking for a wife, you want to find a wife who um, loves the Lord first and then she will treat you in the way the Scripture describes it. Maybe you're married and this, and this message has pointed out areas where you need to love your wife or you love your husband differently. You need to lay down your agenda differently. My encouragement is that you're deliberate to do that. Friends, whatever your next step is, I want you to just to spend a few moments thinking about it. And I want to give you 30 seconds just to sit and to pray. Pray about your next step. Ask God, God, what is my next step? Let's just spend 30 seconds and then I'm going to pray for all our marriages. Take some time now. pray. Father, I want to thank you for your word, where your word makes it clear to us what a healthy marriage looks like. And Father, I want to pray for every husband that's watching this. Father, I pray that he will be deliberate in loving his wife, that he would give his life for his wife, that he will lay down his agenda and choose hers over his own. For every wife, Father, I pray that she would love and respect and submit to her husband as her husband loves her and chooses her over himself. Father, I pray for healthy, beautiful marriages. Father, I want to pray for every marriage of LifeGate Church. We pray, Lord, that you would protect it. Father, we pray that every marriage will be Jesus-centric and each, and each partner would choose to love their partner, Father, as the most important relationship that we have on the earth other than the relationship we have with you. Father, the marriages will, will, will be prioritised in their lives and that husbands and wives will love each other and spend time together and be really healthy and that we would shine the light of Jesus through our marriages. In Jesus' name.
Amen. Or maybe this morning you've heard this message as I've spoken about Jesus in the church and you've not yet committed your life to Jesus. Friends, all those promises about Jesus presenting you holy and blameless only happens as we commit our life to Jesus. So if you're watching this and you want to become a Christian this morning, I encourage you to pray this prayer after me. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that he died for me and rose from the dead. God, I'm sorry for my wrongdoing. Please forgive me. I choose to follow Jesus all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Friends, if you just prayed that prayer, you just become a Christian, and that is the most important decision that we could ever make. If you're watching this online, click on the prayer box, click on the, uh, the uh, new here box, put your details in, because we want to help you on the journey of living a life that honors Him. If you're at one of our facilities and you're watching this, I encourage you to go for prayer or tell someone who invited you. It's so important that you start the journey well and we want to help you in that journey of living a life that honours Jesus. Hey, thanks for being part of this today. Thanks for watching. We're going to look at employers and employees and parents and children next week and how those relationships work. Thanks for being part of it. See you soon. Thanks for joining us on the LifeGate Church podcast. Our church is a place to discover the freedom and purpose that Jesus offers.